overcoming financial stress with the saver and the spender. I'm your host and the spender, Michael Dickey. At Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, we are the worldwide leaders in reducing financial stress. And our mission is that everyone, from the person that is overwhelmed with their finances and in debt up to their eyeballs, to the person that makes good money, has amazing goals, and wants to achieve financial independence, finally to the person that feels a calling to help others by becoming a financial coach, learn how to take the stress out of money. Hello, everybody. Hello, savers. Hello, spenders. And hello, those of you who are a little bit of both. This is Coach Kelsa, and I am excited to bring to you this episode of the podcast. We have been talking about cognitive biases and how they affect your decision-making around money. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if this is one of the first episodes you're listening to, I highly recommend you Stop and go back to episode 50, 50, where we uh, do an introduction on this topic. So a cognitive bias is really our brain's way of processing a lot of information really quickly. So it's not a bad thing that our brain has to make some shortcuts sometimes, right? So it processes a lot of information so that we can make quick decisions, so we can not think about every small detail or process every little bit of information. It does some things pretty quickly. It's not a bad thing, but what can sometimes happen is that these shortcuts uh, actually cause problems. They're not accurate or they're not exactly what we want to be doing with our money and they can mislead us, okay? And so we want to know exactly what those shortcuts are so that we can ensure that we are overcoming them properly. So episode 50, we dive into a bit more of the understanding of what those are, why they happen, and then we also cover the very first one. Um, the first bias. Episode 54 is part two, where I cover a second one. And today I'm going to be going over part three of six. So we are going to cover six different ones, how they show up in our life, why they happen, and most importantly, how we can overcome them to make sure we are making awesome decisions with our money and for all of the right reasons. So today we are going to cover the attentional bias, attentional, A-T-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-A-L, for those of you who want to go look it up. Um, This is our brain's tendency to pay closer attention to some things while simultaneously ignoring others. So this shows up with clients a lot when they get an idea in their head sort of like an, a, a desire to purchase something. And it can be something really small or it can be something big. Um, and they begin to think about it more and more and it starts to consume their thoughts and they find themselves reading every article about it. They become a bit obsessed with it. They shop online for it. They talk about it with their friends or family. They probably find themselves dreaming about it. Um, they tend to put a lot a, of emphasis on the impact that this item is going to have in their lives once they buy it. And the attentional bias, we tend to focus more on the positive than on the negative impact, 
which as you know, will sometimes result in a purchase or oftentimes will result in us buying that thing. Okay. Um, and then we repeat the cycle all over again. And if we're not careful, this item that is meant to be this mega hit, we set ourselves up in our minds that it will be. And then when it falls short, this is when buyer's remorse can come in. We tend to regret it. Um, but then we're on to the very next thing as being sort of like the savior of either any frustration that we're experiencing of any problem that we're experiencing. It's going to be the solution. And so then we're down the next rabbit hole. Okay. So think about some of the things you've wanted the most in your life. Did you exaggerate the positive traits of that thing completely? Maybe even it feels a little bit out of proportion. I oftentimes see people doing this with, um, you know, the, the, a house. So, you know, the next house is going to be so much more functional that your family will be so much happier and it's going to have more storage space. And so, you'll be more organized and so then you'll be less stressed. Um, or maybe it's got a better yard and so you're, you'll spend more time outside, right? And I'm not saying that th those things aren't sometimes very true, but we're going into it exaggerating the positive outcomes. Um, and we always don't focus on like, well, the higher mortgage payment, the higher property taxes, the higher upkeep and that sort of thing. I also see it happen with cars. Um, it can be... You know, any number of things it does not have to be a big purchase, but I see it happen all the time. A lot of times clients uh, will be making a spending choice based on best case scenario. So one way of thinking about this attentional bias, the way I see it show up for people is when I ask them, well, what have you considered already when trying to determine if this is a good choice? They talk about all the pros and if everything lines up perfectly, this choice will save the day, like I said, or it's going to solve a number of problems. And I like to ask clients, let's think about this from the worst case scenario. So what if none of those good things happen? What is the worst case scenario in this situation? So we buy this item and it, it doesn't cure everything. We now have a higher payment, you know, any number of things could pop up. How would we feel then? And really the idea here when I ask this question is I want to counteract the attentional bias. I want to get a person who is thinking only about the positive to only think about the negative, even if just briefly. And hopefully all of my clients can attest to the fact that like I'm a very positive person. I'm an optimist in general. So I, I don't want a person to go, you know, become negative by any means with this exercise. But again, the purpose of it is to get you to think about all of the potential hurdles that could be coming up as well. So do you find yourself talking yourself into making a purchase or taking an action that you probably wouldn't have done had you not blown those positive traits out of proportion? Okay. Another way that I see clients um, or people in general, I think even just friends and family, right? When they're talking about, you know, something they're going to buy is with computer equipment or the next technology, the next phone, right? Is that it's going to save the day. They, they talk about all the benefits of something. In other words, they're focusing on all the reasons why they should buy it because at the end of the day, they want to buy it, right? Um, and they inadvertently ignore any reasons why they shouldn't. Um, 
there's so many instances that pop up for clients with this. Um, there's so many conversations I've had during meetings where it's like, I can't even get a client to focus on anything other than this one thing they want to buy because they become so fixated on it. They become fixated on this being the solution that they have a hard time looking outside of that item for other solutions even. Okay. Um, or they come in, they say, I was up till three in the morning last night looking at houses in the neighborhood. You know, um, I was up until super late looking, um, at different cars I could buy because I think these other ones will be so much better for my family. And, you know, it's, it's almost like you see this obsessive, trait take over them. And for people who are not at all obsessive in any way, right? They're very logical people. And then all of a sudden something like this can really deter them. Okay. So we're going to talk about some ways that if you find yourself doing this or really it, when you're making decisions in general, follow these steps because it will help you to ensure that even if you are sort of falling victim to your attentional bias, that you, um, you overcome it. Because oftentimes we're not going to realize that we're doing this. Okay. So the first one is to make sure that you talk to somebody you trust about a financial decision. So when you're about to spend your hard earned money on something, Share it with, uh, you know, whether you have a financial coach or a financial advisor you can bounce ideas off of. Um, Is it a friend or a family member who truly tends to tell you like it is? Um, You do not necessarily want to go to the person who tends to tell you what you want to hear. Okay. We all have those friends and we love them for what they do for us on those days. Uh, But you really want to try and find somebody who is casually interested in the item or the industry that you're focusing on, but not so interested in it that they're biased around it, okay? Because you want to make sure that they're not also falling victim to the attentional bias by even hearing what you have to say about it, okay? You really want them to almost be just casually disinterested, if you will, um, so that they can be that devil's advocate a little bit or sort of ask you questions to poke holes in the fact that you're focusing on one thing and sort of ignoring another component or factor of this decision. Another uh, solution is to continue to do more research, but in particular, search for negative reviews or criticism of the item you're thinking of buying. So really like Google, you know, faulty reviews for whatever it is that you're buying, negative reviews of blank, um, reasons not to buy a house or reasons not to upgrade your home or, you know, if that's what you're thinking of doing really try to do the opposite type of research uh, because a negative review can shatter sort of that funhouse mirror really effectively um, and make it so that you aren't um, ignoring it completely. Okay. I know for me, a negative review can bring me right back down to earth about an item and make me see that perhaps it would not be a good idea to spend a lot of money on something. Okay. Um, Solution three, give yourself a longer waiting period before buying it. For so many of our clients, and even for Michael and I, we create spending timeframes. And what that means is we have sort of rules in place that say, if something costs more than a certain dollar amount, I will wait 
24 hours before pulling the trigger, or I will wait through a weekend, right? Or something along those lines. It's different for everybody. Um, And the idea is that time is actually one of the most effective responses to attentional bias. And your goal is if you can't buy something for 36 hours or one week or something like that. Your goal is to not even think about it or research it or spend any time on it during that time. So it's almost like you're going to give yourself a detox period from thinking about that transaction and then you can come back to it. Okay. This is really important. That way you don't... um, you know, make the decision based on the obsessive compulsive feeling that you might be having. um, And you really give yourself time to take a step away from it for a little bit of time. The next uh, strategy to use to overcome your attentional bias is to consider the opportunity cost. So what effect will that purchase have on your goals? And what is it that you are not able to buy because you may buy this one thing? So in other words, what other things could that be going to? What other goal are you working towards? And now this you know, transaction means that it's money not going towards that goal. Okay. And really think about the opportunity cost of the decision you're about to make. Another strategy is to try and focus on something else entirely or um, on something else completely unrelated for a while. So if you want to buy a new dress, let's say, um, go hiking instead or go to the gym. Okay. Um, if you want to buy a brand new laptop and you've got it in, your, in the cart and you're about to purchase it online, um, walk away from the computer and call a friend and talk for an hour on the phone um, or go read a good book or listen to a podcast. Do anything other than think of that thing you desire. Okay. I have a client that uh, tends to sort of shop or buy things and make these decisions when she's bored. So she'll be thinking about something for a while and her attentional bias will tell her that she is needing this item, that it's going to make her life better in some way. Okay. Um, and then she gets bored and so she'll just be kind of on her computer and that's when she finds herself buying it. So we have a rule that before she can purchase something in an online cart, she has to get on the phone and like talk to a friend or a family member for 30 minutes. It's amazing, you know, one, just the benefits of that, of like catching up with a friend you haven't talked to in a while. And we all say, well, we're so busy and we don't have time. And, you know, we lose sight of what's important, which is the people in our lives. And it's a really great chance to just, you know, serve a benefit to us, which is delaying or procrastinating a purchase while catching up. The other benefit though, is that it can really remove you from even thinking of that item. It can distract you. You can start talking with that person about what they have going on in their life. You can start sharing about other goals that you have or where you're at with other areas of your life. And it can be the thing that grounds you simply by doing something that you're really using to buy you time can actually be the thing that serves the best purpose for you. So um, try to distract yourself as best as possible doing something else for just a little while, even if it's one hour in order to sort of stop that brain from focusing so heavily on that one thing that you are desiring. So think about some of the things that you've wanted the most in your life. Did you exaggerate the positive traits? Did you blow them completely out of proportion in order to help justify that you could or should buy that thing? 
Did you end up talking yourself into making a purchase or taking an action that you probably wouldn't have done had you not blown those positive traits out of proportion? I can think of another example, which is, you know, right before, you know, we're trying to work out or we're trying to get healthy again. And, you know, we tell ourselves that we need all of these workout clothes in order to actually get a good workout, you know? Um, and I laugh because I just bought a new pair of workout pants yesterday. Um, but it was just one pair and I used my clothing fund and that kind of thing. And this, I didn't tell myself that I absolutely had to have them. My life would be so much better. Um, but I'm just sort of laughing because I did just buy a pair yesterday as I give this example. But this is, you know, different than that. This is, you know, you're just starting to work out. Maybe you've worked out one day and then you go spend $500 at Lululemon or, you know, another store in order to update your entire wardrobe because you tell yourself that you just have to have it. It'll make your workouts easier. You'll feel better when you work out. And it's not to say that some of those reasons are not completely valid, but imagine if you just waited three or four days before you did it, you know, it's the compulsiveness of the decision that we're trying to curb. It's the, um, invalid focus on all of the positives and none of the negatives, none of the things that could go wrong. If we're not, you know, paying extra towards our credit cards that month, like we were supposed to, or if that money's not going towards, you know, another type of clothing item if we are using our clothing fund. So it's meant to help us think through that attentional bias, if you will. So I would love to hear from you. What types of examples do you have from your life where you have done this? I believe that we all have them. And it's easier to see somebody else doing it than it is to observe ourselves doing it. So likely now that you've heard me talk about this, the next time you're on the phone with a friend or a family member, you know, you will hear them sort of obsessing over the benefits of something that they want to buy. And give them some of these tips or strategies um, about researching some negative reviews or giving themselves a waiting period before making the decision, thinking about the opportunity cost about some of the other goals that they've shared with you and just see what you can do. And then trust that you can find that same person for you when you are in the process of experiencing your own attentional bias. So I would love to hear from you. I hope this episode was valuable and insightful for you. Please keep us posted on any other topics that you would love to hear about and uh, look for the next three parts of this series coming up soon so that we can cover three more uh, cognitive biases for you to learn all about. Talk to you guys later. If you would like more information about our financial coaching programs or how we can help you take the stress out of money, please check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Join our private Facebook group by searching Facebook for Overcoming Financial Stress with Fiscal Fitness. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. And we'll see you on the next episode of Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.